that he will manifest himself as the teacher today, causing the complex to be made simple. That is our prayer. And Lord, since you know us name by name and situation by situation, it is with great confidence that we believe that you will tailor this word for every situation, for every person, every family. That is our prayer. So in advance, we give you alone the praise, the glory, the honor and adoration for all that shall be accomplished, all that shall be revealed in Jesus' name. And the people said, and the people shouted, God bless you. You may be seated. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16 will be our launching pad for today. Of course, those joining us by, uh, in our virtual audience want you to just be a part of it as well. And uh, <clears throat> I know many of you have your, your Bibles on uh, your electronic devices, and that's good. But uh, pass up the opportunity to text somebody. Uh, in the middle of my, just give me 30 minutes, pass that opportunity to text somebody and all that sort of thing while I'm teaching. If they just hold it, you text them later, tell them about it later. But for this point, for these few moments, give me your undivided attention. Can you do that? All right. So whether you have a paper Bible or you have an electronic Bible, repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do but it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter. I am a doer, not just a hearer. And my life is the better after having heard the word of faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. Interesting passage that we have to start our lesson today. There in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night that stood of man of Macedonia, prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Everybody say, Help us. All right, watch this. He says, There. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. So here is our subject for today, help. Can we just shout out help? Yes. Not, not shout out help like you need help. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> help. And uh, if it was subtopic, it, it, would, it would, being a difference maker, being a difference maker, um, you know, my daughter is the pastor of the church now, and, you know, I have the joy of collaborating with her uh, in the Word. That's one of the uh, exciting things that I like about my life right now. Uh, I see the body of Christ moving forward at a rapid pace. And as I stand here, you know, I don't know how I got to be 68. I don't know. I was, I was just, you know, 30-something other day. And uh, so uh, here I am in my 60s, pushing 70, and I'm excited to see the good hands that the kingdom of God is in. Can you give yourselves a hand clap for that? That, that this generation has embraced the things of God, and that's exciting. And um, <clears throat> so uh, we were collaborating the other day as we were talking about this whole, she's in a series now on help. I told her I wanted to borrow some of uh, the collaboration for this lesson today. But uh, uh, nobody makes it without help. 
And in our text, um, <clears throat> the Bible says that Paul gets this vision and there is what we call in scripture, what we call the Macedonian call. They said, somebody said, come over and help us. Come over and help us. The Bible says that, of course, this was one of the critical moves in Paul's ministry that he decided to go to Macedonia because in the Macedonian region was the Philippi, the city of Philippi. And it was in Philippi, of course, that he got thrown in jail, and it was in Philippi that God miraculously rescued them. But it was in Philippi that they started the church. They started the church there in Philippi, and that was, Paul writes, the only church that supported him in many years in his ministry. Had he missed the opportunity to help, watch this, he would have missed a partnership that God had arranged for him. So today we want to talk about help, the call and the cries for help. But I want you to see and understand that calls and cries for help are, are not something that's going to deplete you, but it's something that's going to bless you. Because God has called all of us to be difference makers in our lives. All of us, once you step into the kingdom of God, you step into a realm where God has now strategically placed you so that you can make a difference in the earth. Now, I always bring my little raggedy picture. Some of y'all knew I was going to bring that. So in 1980, I'm in my little raggedy place there. My life is in turmoil. I am seeking direction from the Lord. Can y'all put my picture up? Uh, yeah, that's my church. Yeah, that's it. That's the good looking side. Yeah, um, I'm in my church there. I've gone through a church fight. You know, I'm, uh, I'm really kind of confused now. I, I really want to go back in industry. I was a systems analyst, and uh, I, that's what I wanted to do. But God said, no, son, I have greater things for you. Yeah, I hope. And uh, <laughs> so uh, it was there that God began to, to lay out my life and told me then the things that he wanted to do with my life, and I would have to trust him. Everybody say, trust him. And he said, I'm going to teach you how to trust me. I'm going to teach you how to live by faith. Well, I wanted to go back to work. I got less than 50 members. He wanted me to be a full-time pastor trusting him. And uh, he said that I could make a difference in the earth. Don't look like I could make a difference coming out of that. But <clears throat> I trusted him. Everybody say he trusted him. I trusted him and God began to do amazing things in my life. And as a result, can you put the picture of the collage? I, can't, I cannot count the souls. I won't know the souls that I've touched until I get to heaven. But I can tell you that's what God was able to do because I trusted him. Watch this. To use my life to make a difference. And that's what I want to ring home today. Because when I look around here, around the church, I see difference makers. I see people who can make a difference. I know you may not see yourself as a difference maker because you always look at somebody else, but wherever you are, you have been strategically placed there in the right family at the right time. He's placed you there as a kingdom person to make a difference. And you will make a difference to the degree that you hear the cry for help. Amen and amen. I only have two points today. Point number one is going to be the scriptural concept of difference makers. 
And then the final point will be the steadfast consciousness of a difference maker. Let's see what the word says about us making a difference. And then let's see what kind of mindset do you have to have if you are going to make a difference. I, I was looking, you know, during the uh, announcement and I, you know, saw the call there of the children's ministry pastor was saying he needed others to help. Yeah, he needed others to help because you can make a difference in their lives. And then he went through this, you know, whole scenario of so many people that have made a difference in one life and another life and another life. But see, we can hear that and it goes in one ear and come out the other and we continue the way we have always been. But I believe after today, things are going to change. Amen and amen. Well, let's look first now at uh, this. My point is the revelation of a difference maker. In Matthew chapter 5, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says something there as he's teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God that they're in. And he says this as he's teaching there on the mountain there. You've heard it, but let's see if we can get some revelation from it. Verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if salt had lost his savor, Wherewith, wherewith shall it be salted? It is then forth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden on the foot of man. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, but put it on a bush. Uh, neither uh, do men light a candle and put it on the bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. It sounds like Jesus is saying that when we step into the kingdom of God, that we become influencers in our generation or in our various arenas. So throughout the Bible, we can see time after time after time, scripture after scripture after scripture, letting us know that we have been called and placed for a purpose. Everybody say a purpose. So in Ephesians chapter 2, that's another passage I want to look at very quickly. Ephesians chapter 2. And there, I love this passage because people are looking for fulfillment. And the key to fulfillment is finding purpose. Because when a thing lives out its created purpose, that is when fulfillment takes place. And so there, verse 8, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, and any man should boast. But then verse 10 says, but we are his workmanship. Now, I like it over in the Amplified. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. Watch this, so that means... That I'm not here by accident. That God planned for me to be here. Though my mother and my father may not have planned it. God planned it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm not the product of the passion of my parents. I am the product of the purposes of God. Amen and amen. Watch this, watch this. That we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So when I look at that and I look throughout the scripture, I can see scripture after scripture where God is saying that I am supposed to help others. I'm supposed to answer the calls and the cries for help. He created me uh, to help. 
He created me to be involved in the lives of others. I will only <laughs> be fulfilled to the degree that I'm involved in the lives of others. Amen, amen. So the call for help, that is the call of a pastor who's saying, in order to fulfill my vision, I need help. It is the call of the pupil who is trying to understand the things of God. He can say like the Ethiopian, how can I accept somebody help? It is the cry of a parishioner who wants to understand this God kind of life. I cannot understand the ins and outs of Christianity unless I got some help. It's the cry of a person in pain who says, I need somebody to get me out of this pain. I, I need some help. It is the cry of the public, a man who's struggling with their situation and they're saying, I need help. Well, the, very, the signature story of this, I think, is the, uh, the story of uh, the Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan story is found there in Acts chapter 10. And for time's sake, I'll just do a recap. Bible says that there was a traveler on the Jericho Road, and he fell among the thieves and the robbers. And there he was. They wounded him, stole from him, beat him up pretty bad, and left him half dead. And the Bible says the Levite came by, looked at him, passed by on the other side. Everybody say other side. Priest came by, looked at him, and then passed by on the other side. But then a Samaritan camp comes by, and though he was journeying, the Bible says, he stopped, he came to the man, had compassion upon him, ministered to him, and, uh, and then... He moves on. He takes him to an end and he pays for his future care. And so this whole thing came up because uh, Jesus was asked the question, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus says, now, who do you think the neighbor of the man who had fallen among the thieves and the robbers? Who best illustrates his neighbor? And they said, of course, the Samaritan, who was of a different race, the Samaritan. And they said, uh, so Jesus says, now you go and do likewise. So he's saying now, here is a picture of somebody who will help. Here is a picture of somebody who will make the difference in the life of another person. And we're going to come back to that. But I'm going to just show you throughout the Bible... We are called to help. Let's reflect on people who helped in the Bible. Moses was just a fugitive until he makes a, uh, a decision to answer the call for help and he becomes an emancipator. David was just a simple shepherd uh, and answers the call for help and he makes the difference on the battlefield. I want to just tell you, when you go through the Bible, you see ordinary people. They rise to a different level because they became difference makers by choosing to... Oh, I love it. Y'all got it. So watch this now. Because see, what people do is they'll be like the Samaritan. They will be like the, uh, uh, the priest and the Levite. They will see the need. They will hear the cry but choose to pass by on the other side. Amen, amen. But I got to tell you, 
uh, what, what, what happens here in the Bible when I see all of these people? Rahab, she was just a street girl, you understand? But she answered the cry for help and, and ended up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Throughout the Bible, Nehemiah, just a cupbearer, but when he answers the cry for help, it changes his life. He becomes a difference maker. You know, uh, Lady B and I, we were just two kids from the, two young people uh, from, from the ghettos of Houston. She said she went in the ghetto, but she really was. Uh, And God wanted to do something special in our lives, and we answered the cry for help. Look what the Lord has done. What I'm saying to you today, I want you to see yourself as positioned by God to make a difference in somebody's life. And it's going to cause your whole life to change. Amen. It is the pathway to a whole nother level of fulfillment when you get involved. I know you're busy. I know you got stuff to do. But let's see if we can get the Spirit of God to inspire us today. Because the resistance to being a difference maker, the resistance to rearranging your schedule and all of that, resistance is there. We understand that. Of course, in my situation, my thing is I, I, I already had my life, you know, kind of planned. I knew what I was going to do after I finished that church fight. I'm going to get back in the industry. I know how to make money. I'm going to make me some money. You follow me? That's, but God says, no, I, you know, I've got another purpose for your life. How many know you can have your own agenda? And God says, i got a better agenda for you. Amen and amen. All right, so why is it that people pass down on the other side? Number one, and you might want to write these down, selfishness. Mm, we, we don't really have to stay there too long because we understand that selfish attitude somehow has creeped into our society. You know, in times past, people helped each other. Amen. No, no, people help. You know, people got together and built communities and built churches. People helped each other. But now, of course, and then, uh, and please, I'm not faulting the message of prosperity, but you can hear the message of prosperity wrong, and then it's all about you. When the Bible says we are blessed to be a... Amen. All right, number two is what I call the substitution factor. And that is, I paid my money. I gave my tithe. I ain't doing that. Amen. Y'all better hire somebody. <laughs> amen, amen. Your tithe and offering does not exempt you from hands-on service. Amen, amen, amen. Number three is the skills factor. That's a good excuse. I don't know how to do that. Well, that's, you know, that's the excuse all of the other great patriarchs used. Moses used it, you know. <laughs> You look at Moses and Nehemiah, you, everybody, you know, Joshua, I, I, I can't do that. But you see, God looks for the available and he makes them able. Amen. <laughs> Listen, why don't we just pause and do this? Look at the person next to you and just tell them, I'm a difference maker. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want you to begin to declare that over your life, that you are a person who uh, you are going to make a difference. Listen, uh, you got to let them know. Listen, uh, folk don't know I passed this way. Hallelujah. Amen. Then there is, watch this, I call the success factor. Now, what's the success factor? That has to do with, uh, okay, all right, I heard y'all want me to help. 
But what's in it for me? <laughs> okay, now, all right, I work in the children's ministry. Can I tell the children's parents about my business? I mean, I mean that's not surreal. The reality is, okay, y'all want my time, I'm going to do that, but... Finally, uh, the, the synthetic factor. What's synthetic factor? That is the uh, uh, when something is synthetic, we're saying it's not uh, the real thing. We're saying that it's it is it's, it's something that's a substitute. And many people find the substitute of kingdom fulfillment doing other things. What do you mean? Well, I don't have to work in the church. Why? You know, because uh, I, I work in our social club. Don't you know, I'm on the home, I'm a part of the homeowners association. You know, I, 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 no, I understand that. We applaud that and let your light shine there also. Can we move on? Let's move on now because I'm at my second point. I, I mean, y'all have been real good class, but I got to hurry. Watch this. Let's look now at the steadfast consciousness of a difference maker. Now, what I mean by that? What is this mentality that make up a person? You know, I, 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 I think about people in my life who made a difference. I have to, all, I have to go all the way back to uh, this lady named Rachel Richards. People will all know about Miss Rachel. But Miss Rachel... Uh, ministered salvation to me at her house uh, when I was a little boy. She had this thing. Of course, back then, they didn't let women preach in the denomination we were in. So, but you can't stop a real preacher. Miss Rachel would preach to children, and she had a way of getting her to, us to her house with uh, cookies <laughs> and Kool-Aid. So when the cookers and Kool-Aids were ready, it got out in the neighborhood and we would all come to Miss Rachel's house. And she had this room that was wallpapered with Bible story pictures. And before you could get the Kool-Aids and the cookies, somebody had to point at a picture on the wall and she'd tell the story. And after she would tell the story, she, I don't know how she could make every story end with Jesus on the cross. But she'd, she'd bring it back to Jesus on the cross and then she'd say, who wants to get saved today? And I remember, amen, on Taylor Court Street in Houston, Texas, I raised my hand as a little boy and said I wanted to be saved. And Miss Rachel then would put everybody else out, let them go eat the cookies, and then she'd talk to the one who wanted to get saved. I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus because Miss Rachel chose to make a difference. I had the joy of doing her home-going service. Amen. Because she made a difference. She answered the call. Everybody say, answered the call. Now let's talk about answering the call because the distinguishing call of difference makers uh, 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 that they answer the call for help. 
Let's talk about, number one, the specific cry for help is easy to answer when somebody asks, will you help me? Damascus Road, I mean the, uh, the Macedonian call of uh, the Ethiopian, ask for help. Then there is the uh, social cry for help when society is running off the deep end. Acting crazy. They're really crying for help. I don't want to work on that one too long. Uh, but uh, yeah, society is crying for help. When they are trying to find fulfillment totally outside of the plan of God, they are just really crying for help. Then there is the silent cry for help. Now what do you mean the silent cry for help? Think about this one. Because the man who's fallen on the Damascus road, he could not wave that back. He could, he could say, hey, come over and help me. No, no, he, he's beat up pretty bad. It's an oxymoron to say the silent cry. But the voice of the silent cry is in the condition. Everybody don't have to stop us and shout at us and holler at us to get us to help them. We can look at their condition and see they're in the need for... Talk to, talk to me. Amen, amen. And there is the, uh, the scriptural cry for help. The scriptural cry for help is right there when we go through the Bible. And the Bible tells us to do certain things. That's the cry for help that we must answer. So, let's look at the delightful consideration. What do you mean? That I, I don't want you to think that helping in the kingdom of God is drudgery. I don't want you to think helping in the everybody come to the kingdom of God, helping, kicking and screaming. Oh, no, no. There is great joy. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. But there is great joy in doing it. Amen. And we need to understand that. There is great joy. Why? There's a whole nother level of fulfillment you are missing when you are not involved. Look at the person that said, you see, we got to trust him on this one. Yeah, 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 all right, watch this. So what is this that motivates folks to get involved? Number one, a revelation. If they get a revelation, that's why I'm teaching today. Number two is a reflection. You would not be where you are if somebody had not helped you, all right? Watch this. Now, that's a rejoicing factor. Rejoicing to see somebody you help move forward. Are you listening? I would stop here and, and, and do a little, 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 little quick testimony. I'm a boy preacher. You know, I started preaching when I was nine years. I got called at nine. They made me wait until I was ten to preach my first sermon. And uh, my, yeah, they wanted to see if I was serious. So I'm, uh, I'm 68 now. Just do the math. 68. Uh, that's 58 years with the company. I think I was serious. Okay, watch this. Come on. So my pastor. With, who was a, he was a professor at, at the, at the uh, seminary. Every Saturday, he would bring me up to the church and he would teach me the word of God and he would teach me those things about preaching and that sort of thing. And when I grew older and, uh, you know, my light began to shine, he would just tell everybody, that's my boy. He would rejoice in my success because of what he had invested in me. Now, in your life, I know you got some people at the same time. It may be a school teacher. It may be a neighbor. It may be somebody in the family. But they point at you and say, I had a part in that. 
And that's one of the part of being a difference maker is that you have had a part in others. So then there's the responsibility factor. What's the responsibility? In other words, there's a sense of being responsible. That as a responsible believer, I must do more at word of truth than come and soak up the word. More than just say, that's my church. You see our new building? I got to do more than that. I'm responsible for the future success of the kingdom of God through the ministry. So I must work the work of him that sent me. Okay, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Guys, got to wrap it up. Watch this. So, let's look at this consciousness, the dynamic of this consciousness. First of all, I'm covenant conscious. Covenant conscious means this is my set place. I said, this is my set place. I have a responsibility in my set place. Then, watch this. I'm compassionate conscious, which means compassionate conscious. I realize somebody helped me. Amen. <laughs> and then, I close with this one. I'm Christ conscious. Now, what do you mean Christ conscious? Those who make a difference have this understanding. They have an understanding that Jesus requires it. What do you mean Jesus requires it? He said, when he took, gave the story the product of the uh, Good Samaritan, go and do likewise. He's saying you go get involved in helping somebody. He says it in the Great Commission. So he requ- everybody say Jesus requires it. All right, number two, Jesus reviews it. When he tells the story in Matthew 25, and he says that, you know, in that great day of rewards that uh, the, the king will say, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was, you know, sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they said, Lord, when did we see all of that? He said, uh, he said, when you did it to the least of them, you did it unto me. So that means he's watching. Amen. So he requires it. He reviews it. Watch this. He receives it. Now what do you mean? When you do it for others, Jesus says, I take it personally like you did it to me. So when you're teaching that child there in children's church, Jesus says, it's like you teaching me. When you're working in the various ministries of the church, he says, I'm taking it personal and it's like you did it for me. You've done it to me. Amen. So he requires it. He reviews it. He receives it. He reciprocates it. What do you mean he reciprocates it? I'm glad you asked. Ephesians 6 and 8 says, whatever you make happen for others, God says, I'm going to make it happen for you. <laughs> what does he do? He requires it. He reviews it. He receives it. He reciprocates it. He rewards it. I'm not going to let you do anything for the kingdom that I will not restore back to you in a hundredfold measure. Amen, amen. So I can expect to be rewarded. He requires it. He reviews it. He receives it. He reciprocates it. He rewards it. Watch this. He reinforces it. <laughs> Matthew, I mean, Romans 5, 5. And hope make it not a shame. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. 
which is given. That's a story is told. Everybody say closer. Story is told of uh, in India years ago, a young war party, a young group of warriors and hunters took out on a journey and got lost in the jungle. And after a while, everybody got worried and then they decided to uh, go look for them. So they got their best tracker and they began to look throughout the jungle for these kids. Couldn't find them and found out they had gone deeper into the jungle, into one of the most dangerous parts with dangerous spiders and snakes, venomous snakes. And so the leader of the party asked for some special volunteers because he says, you're putting your life on the line for this next part of the journey. And true enough, he got a group of, of, uh, of volunteers together and they're going to go look for these kids. And they do, and they find them. Bring them all back safely. But the sociologist wanted to know what was the makeup of this special group of volunteers who were willing to put their life on the line to go look for these children. So after they, he did the research and interviewed and interviewed, one was the common denominator. The common denominator was every person who volunteered had somebody who was lost that they loved. So the key here was that they were willing to do it because they were motivated by love. And when I thought about that, I went, wow, that's it. People who volunteer in the kingdom, whose name you will never see in the lights, who are doing the work that needs to be done, transforming lives, making a difference. They do it because of, come on, talk to me. They do it. Moses, he goes back as a fugitive, risking being arrested because he loved the nation. Nehemiah leaves the comfort of being a cupbearer and he goes there to rebuild the wall because of his love for his nation. Rahab is willing to risk being, <laughs> being charged with treason to help the spies so she can help her family because she loves her family. The disciples are willing to leave their nets and move, go into this movement because of love. Jesus is willing to die on the cross. Why? Because of his love. <laughs> so what am I saying? I'm saying that, listen, he reinforces us because the scripture says his love has been shared abroad in us by the Holy Ghost. When you make that step to say, I'll help, you make the step, I'll get involved. Watch this. There's an outpouring of love. Ooh, God, that motivates you. You are pushed. Amen, amen. <laughs> You're pushed not by revelation, but you're pushed by love. Amen, amen. 
Only it was the love push that caused Jesus to let them nail his hands and nail his feet and put a crown of thorns on his head. He was pushed by his love. Amen. Pushed by his love. They laid him in a barber tomb. It was love that laid, caused him to get up on the third day. Amen. Pushed by his love. And I tell you, when you work in the kingdom of God, don't think it's going to be drudgery. When he puts that love on the inside of you, you sense this. Push by his love. I never thought I'd have as much joy. Back then, in 1980, in a little raggedy building, as I have working in the kingdom, but I'm pushed by his love. And I'm talking to somebody in the house today. I'm talking to somebody in the house today. You think it's been all right because you paid your tithe and you paid your offerings. You think it's all right. But God has you here to hear this message because it's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to do like the Samaritan. Rearrange your schedule so you can render some service. And when you do it, you'll understand what I'm saying. That's a joy you're about to experience because you'll be pushed by his love. So I say to you as I, as God said to me in the little ragged building, Son, you have to trust me on this one. They're going to come make the call in just a moment. But I'm saying to you, when you hear the call, whether it's to be born again or whether it's to rededicate your life or whether it's just to get involved, I need you to trust me on this one. You're about to experience a push of love that you'll never be able to explain. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. 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 Let's give the apostle another round of applause.